You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. My name is Rusty and with me via Skype up there in sunny, sunny Queensland, is the uh, reigning champion of the PRS in Australia, Mr. Mick Stubbins. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? I'm basking in the glory of talking to you, mate. <laughs> yeah. I just thought we'd get the compliments out of the way because, you know, we're going to throw some challenges down later. Yeah, righto. <laughs> <laughs> for, those who, uh, for those who don't know, Mick uh, came down to Mildura last year for the Vortex Colts to open and uh, absolutely decimated the field with a uh, you know, tiny little Ruger precision rifle. Uh, which no doubt we will get onto a little bit later, Mick, and talk about. But I'm I'm curious, mate, where did it all start for you from a shooting side of things, and and also what was your first gun? Oh, okay. So well, first gun was 22, like probably everyone that's listening. Um, yep. When I was young, more or less. But uh, serious shooting sort of began when I was 18. I was a um, full-time roo shooter. Mm, okay. Uh, West Queensland, uh, Western New South Wales. Um, did they only retired two years ago, so I did about thirty something odd years of that, so or twenty, twenty-eight years of that. So that was enough for me. Yeah, um, wow. But about ten years ago I sort of progressed over to a bit of club shooting just for a bit of interest. And um it was nothing like what we do with the precision stuff, but uh, I actually went down the uh, Western Action uh, road. So oh, you're a cowboy. Cowboy shooter, mate. Um come fifth in the nationals a few times and I um Excelled at the lever action rifle. That's what I was good at. So, okay. What, what was your cowboy name? Tom Tucker. Tommy Tucker. Is <laughs> call me Tommy Gun. Right. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon that might catch on. <laughs> Bring up some old memories. Yeah, right. No, it was. Uh, it was good. Good crowd of people. Same as what we do now. They were good crowd of people. So that was that was the main attraction. You know. Yeah. Fantastic. And and so during your time roo shooting, I imagine you didn't really do much shooting on the side of that. That was really sort of you know tied you up. Yeah, mate. You didn't shooting. Well, you know, roo shooting is not exactly a a um exciting sideline. It's uh it actually probably pushed me away from the club shooting a bit because. You were doing it, you know, five and six nights a week. You do in your spare time. You didn't really want to pick up a gun, you know. So no, I can I can appreciate that. But obviously, once you finished up reshooting, you know, the desire to continue to shoot or go back to shooting obviously was fairly strong for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that yeah, I, I really enjoy me shooting, and uh, I'm enjoying it more now than I ever have. I think so. Yeah, it's really oh, good. That's, that's good to hear. And did you jump straight from sort of you know yeehawing around to PRS? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I used to run the local match for uh, single action, and uh, Travis Caesar from our club and those guys had a, uh, a fledgling sort of movement going for this um, this style of shooting that we do now at our club. And um, Travis has put a lot of work into it, and mm, yeah, yes. he actually got it registered as a as a match in Queensland under Spectrum Rifle. So it was um, yeah, and I sort of jumped over to that and um, been there ever since. And and how long ago was that, Mick? I think I'd been shooting it about ten or twelve months before Mildura, so it wasn't that. Yeah, long. okay. Yeah. So a couple of years, okay. So you took to it pretty well. Yeah, my yeah, no, no, it was um, it fitted me right down to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and what sort of distance were you, were you covering in those comps? So we do five hundred up here. Okay. And Travis had uh, booked out the um, 
the Queensland complex probably about three or four shoots a year, and we could get her out to about you know, a bit over a thousand. You know, we could get out to about you know if we stretched it to the very back dirt, we were getting to you know sort of thousand and eighty sort of thing. So yeah, okay, yeah, so that was good fun. Absolutely, a fair change from the you know apart from the 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 culture of it, I guess the actual you know what you had to achieve was fair difference from the cowboy side of things. Yeah, it was, but as a roo shooter, I was always very particular about my ammo and rifles and I didn't just have the old uh, Remington off the shelf most of my roo guns were in around that eight grand nine thousand sort of in that sort of range so okay a little bit different (laughs) well I wasn't going to say anything but you know you bring it up so the transition from western action shooting you know obviously you saw what the other guys were doing and it piqued an interest for you what did you go out and buy a gun first or did you use what you had I used what I had. I had uh, an old 260 actually here, an old um, Remington 260, and I thought that would fit the bill. And it did in the early days until um, we started getting to this 10, 10 rounds for a, for a stage. <laughs> of course. And, uh, yeah, the old top-load Remington didn't really cut it <laughs> with the other guys, but um, that was good. And then we had a few guys from Brisbane, Andy McNeil. Uh, yeah, they, they come out from Brisbane, and they did a few shoots at our club, and that sort of got us looking at um, – well, we were a bit – Taken back at some of the gear these guys were using, like we'd never seen nothing like it before. So yeah, okay. that was pretty interesting. <laughs> I'd never even heard of a vortex scope before. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so that, you obviously started being exposed to some more bits and pieces around the place. Yeah, like it, it, at our club, it, it just switched on. Like most of our members are, are country guys, so that style of shooting just appealed to all of them, you know, like they just really. Yeah, they really took to it. I know it's a topic we've talked about and probably spent an entire episode here uh, talking about is that correlation between, you know, Rue and, and sort of spotlighting and that side of things coming across to the PRS sort of style. And and yep. it is so, in, in so many ways, I won't go over it again because we've covered it a lot, but there's so many similarities and that's why I think this type of shooting is popular with the guys, exact guys you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it just... It, it's just something that they're used to doing on a daily basis, and um, yeah, it converts over to the club really easily. So yeah, it was good for sure. And which club are we talking about? Uh, it's Mill Marin. It's the Heckendorf Road Q15 Club. Okay, so if if guys are sort of nearish to that, they can check it out and see what's see what's happening. Yeah, we're like we're like ninety k's, hundred k's west of Toowoomba. So okay, yep. Third third Saturday of every month, we kick her into gear. Yeah, right. Okay, we'll definitely get along to that. We'll we'll put some links somewhere to wherever we can link to in the show notes. Make sure we put that info out there. That would be uh, that would be really good. Yeah. So you went from your, your two sixty Remy. Yep. And and then you obviously you ended up with a Ruger at some point. How, how did that come about? Yeah. Yep. So I actually I used the two sixty for a little while, and then I used one of your Ruger rifles. So and they neither of them fitted the bill. Um, yeah. So then um, yeah, I just plucked a two four three Ruger off. Used guns, um, yeah, last year it was, uh, really early last year, and started shooting it, and, um, yeah, the barrel died on it. Um, <laughs> the barrel died on it, like, uh, seven days out from Mildura. Um, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was panic stations like you wouldn't believe. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do here? No. Um, no, I would believe it. I, I absolutely would believe uh, it. Mate, I'm the most unluckiest bloke in the world, as you know. Like, uh, guns just <laughs> seem to break down on me at the worst possible time. But um, And a mate of mine, Jimmy Kent, Buffalo gunsmith in Inchwomba, he just said, 
I get your barrel, I get it done. So he was awesome. He um he got on Nevy Madden at uh, Madco and had me a barrel in like a day and had it fitted in like the next day and yeah, he was awesome. So I had that's uh, fantastic. I think I had three days out from Mildura to fire for him some brass and pretty much load some ammo and drive down. So yeah. And and so what uh, cartridge did you end up going with? Well, I've always been a six mil BR shooter, always. Um, but I'd actually pre-ordered a um, Pacific Tooling um, reamer off David Kiffer six BRX. So we uh, okay. we spun that up and we went from there. Yeah, brilliant. And and so that's what you're running for the the match. Yep. Yeah, I think I'm on about my third or fourth barrel on the BRX now, and I can't see myself changing anytime soon. Nice. What made you choose the Ruger, and how did you find that transition going from the the guns you'd been using, sort of pretty pretty traditional, um, you know, Remy's and that sort of yep. standard sort of stuff, I imagine, through to something really sort of purpose built. Yeah, it was um, it was interesting. I had to change a few things in my shooting technique. Nothing major, just a few tweaks of how I held the gun mainly. Um, yeah, going to a, do a sort of a more of a pistol grip style instead of the traditional hunting rifle style it was um yeah it took a bit a bit of nothing out but the ruger was really nice um yeah i i couldn't recommend them enough uh so long as your old shroud doesn't break um <laughs> pretty right <laughs> <laughs> right so that i guess that's going to lead me to my next question but uh, at the at the prs for, for many who were there uh, they know that your bolt failed uh what what actually happened well the gen ones had that plastic bolt shroud on the back of them um and i knew i was having a few dramas with it nothing like that and uh, it had actually cracked right off so for some reason um the firing pin was just falling forward with the bolt more or less um oh okay so yeah it was nearly curtains for me but uh, nick from ignition ran up the line and grabbed a bolt out of someone else's ruger and said run this yeah we whacked her in and the only problem was the guy wanted his bolt back after that stage so i still <laughs> I was still not going real good, but luckily you come to the rescue with, with a spare one in the car. So um, yeah, I had a yeah. spare Ruger in the car, yeah. as, as you, you know. I like yeah. to think everyone does. Just like everyone does, my yeah, just a spare Ruger line <laughs> in the back. Spot on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good, mate. So I'm guessing from that you were you're a bit disappointed by that, and and you have recently upgraded. Has that sort of been drawn out, or what was your process to to go from a Ruger to a custom built? Had always planned to go down that road. Um, just didn't yeah. want to jump into something that's, you know, six, seven thousand dollars without making sure that this was where I was heading, you know, like mm. yeah, it's a lot of money. I mean, I'm not exactly <laughs> I don't exactly have the biggest water of cash in my pocket, so not anymore, anyway. Anyway. It's a big decision to outlay that sort of money. Yeah, absolutely, mate. <laughs> so tell me about this pimped out orange dragon slayer thing that you've got. The Jaffa, yeah, the Jaffa, mate. She's um, Masterpiece Arms um, comp chassis, which I absolutely love. Phil and them guys do an um, unbelievable job with those chassis. They're just the most comfortable thing you'll ever shoot. And so, and, and probably, the, probably the brightest as well. That <laughs> thing is glowing. I think you throw your competitors off because it just gets in their eyes and they can't see. That's exactly how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried the manners to start with, which I thought was my home, but... Uh, after actually Dave Preston from the States was the one who said to me, Once you once you pick up that man as the other MPA, he said you'll um you won't go back. And he was dead right. It was, it was just an instant fit. And, you know, as soon as I picked it up I knew it was um it was where I wanted to be. So yeah. But um really nice top. 
Um, and, I mean, if any of the guys are ever at the clubs and that and they see me, with the, I'm more than happy to let guys have a have a couple of shots out of them and see what they reckon because, um, yeah, I think they're a uh, pretty, pretty special bit of gear. Yeah, right. So the, you've got the MPA chassis. What else is sitting yeah, in there? Yeah, and uh, we've got, so we got the Bighorn TL3 um, tactical action in there. Um, absolutely love that thing. It's It's been an absolute hammer since I've had it. Absolutely smooth as most guys get behind it and run the bolt and just go, oh, that's pretty, pretty good. Um, <laughs> what made you made you go down that path? Because obviously there's a stack of actions and Bighorn are, are on that list, but they're not necessarily sort of higher up that list at this point, although that perhaps is changing. But what made you jump on that bandwagon? Yeah, well, look, uh, Rob Gale from um, Pro Hunt Outfit, is, um, he was the one who talked to me. I never even heard of a big horn action before. I thought he was pulling me leg, to be honest. And uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> anyway, I, yeah, so um, he said to me, look, go and bloody get on the internet and have a look and see what you reckon. He said, I can do you a good price and, you know, I want you to run this action and see what it's like. So, so I did a bit of homework on him. And, um, you know, I've seen a few guys in the States running them and, you know, they were, they were decent guys and they were getting decent finishes and I thought, well, you know, maybe there is a bit of something to this. So um, I said, right, eh, send me one, let's let's give it a crack. And, um, yeah, I've got two of them sitting out there now. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy with them. <laughs> right, and they change out, like they swap out bolt, yeah, uh, bolt faces and stuff? Yep, you can 223, you can magnum, yeah, anything, yeah. And it's um it's such a simple process. Um, you just um you don't need any tools. You just unwind your firing pin, pull your firing pin out, push your pin out in the bolt face, drop your bolt face off, put your new bolt face in, pin back in, firing pin clicks in by hand. It's such a sim- simple process, ain't? Huh? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But and what have you screwed into it? So that one there is a six BRX, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one that's sitting in the cupboard waiting for a barrel. It'll probably be a six five forty seven lap. Um, okay. Uh, okay, go, going away from the six BRX, eh? Hey? No, no, no. We'll, uh, we'll always have the BRX <laughs> in the cupboard. It's a bit of a favourite. So, no, no, it'll always be there. Just got to have a good backup, don't you? Just got to have that backup, mate. What's on top of it? Are you, you still running what you picked up last year? Yeah, mate. Yep. So, I've got the Razor up on top there. And um, actually, I've got it it's just changed over from the Vortex Precision Rings, which I really love. But Rob got me in a, a cost price of a MPA set of um one piece mount yeah i think all my guns will be wearing them from now on they're a um they're a really nice mount they're one i've had no experience with but i've seen or heard a little bit about them what sort of makes them so good that you want to run them on everything oh look they just uh, we did a bit of a test the rob was telling me how good they they tighten down on the on the pick rail and all the rest of it because they actually um they grip down over the rail a lot more than your traditional sort of mounts and that um they don't sort of pinch up onto the rail they sort of dig down onto the rail it's a bit of a funny one but um okay yeah you you could do the screws up fairly finger tight and there's, you just couldn't bash that scope off with a hammer it's just yeah <laughs> that sort of sounds like you may have tried oh uh, no not with the vortex anyway but uh um no nah, yeah no nah, they're really good mount you know they're um they're rock solid and yeah a lot of a lot of Top shooters over the seas, over in the states. I see those guys switching across to them, so that speaks volumes for their stuff. So. Yeah, they seem to be fairly well priced. They are. Yeah, I think those ones. Uh, I actually mm. had to pay. Um, <laughs> I had to pay uh, 
counter price for them, but I think they still ran around two sixty five. So that, I think that's mm, pretty wow. competitive, eh? Like, yeah, okay. And I see Phil and I've bought them out with a twenty MOA built into the actual mount as well, so you could really get some elevation out of them if you wanted to. Yeah, that's that's always my requirement, at least twenty MOA built in, because I like to make the most of the scope, I guess. For sure. That's. Uh, is there anything else on your rifle that that's worth mentioning? Um, your muzzle brake on there? Or? Yeah, mate. I'm running the um, APA little bastard brake. I like it. I've also got an yep. MPA brake as well, which I can't split them. They, to me, they're identical. The MPA guy's a little bit more bulkier, but yeah, take your pick. They're both beautiful brakes. Yeah, I've had one of those little bastards for I've had it for a while, and it was excellent. Yeah, couldn't fold it. Probably would be the best one I'd used. And the new addition on the gun, I nearly forgot about this one. Um, Rob also got me a uh, couple of Trigger Tech Diamonds, which okay. I find to be a bloody fine trigger. Uh, Scotty Patel's running them on his MPA as well. Um, yeah, we both had a bit of a long discussion about them, and uh, yeah, they, they are a very, very nice trigger. Um, I've pulled the jewels off and um, gone with the trigger techs now. Are they a one or a two stage? Single stage. Mm-hmm. Scotty's having a bit of dramas getting, getting used to the single stage, but uh, yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's cracking it now. He's going good with it, so yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. What, what sort of weight are you running on that? So I'm being an RE shooter from here, there, and over the hill, I sort of run fairly light triggers. I put, I wouldn't recommend new shooters running like six or eight ounce triggers, but um, yeah, I, I try to sit around that six ounce sort of thing on mine. Yes, certainly something you want to practice with before you use. Yeah, yeah. You think, you know, 30 years behind the gun, it's second nature not to put too much pressure on the trigger when you find it. So, yeah, new guys might have a bit of drama with light triggers like that. But anyway. I'm curious to see how the trigger tech uh, goes because I know that a mate of mine had some real issues with them uh, early days. But that is going back a good probably four years now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I expect that they've improved significantly, and, and I see a lot more people running them. Yeah, well, I've, I've run this one now in about four, maybe five matches, and I'm sort of just, I'm rolling into it now. Like, the first couple of matches are a bit scratchy. You get used to your gear, and then you change something, and it's all of a sudden you're, you're nearly starting from scratch again to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, no, they're, they're a good trigger. I'd recommend them to anyone. They're really good. Fantastic. Is there anything else on the Roth we need to discuss? Oh, no, I might not think. Oh, well, I've got a Mueller Works barrel on there from the States. Yep. Really nice barrel. My uh, my gunsmith actually rang me up and he was like, he's an American guy too, Jimmy, and he goes, where the hell did you get this barrel from? And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, what's wrong with it? And he goes, he said, I just patched the drilling grease out of it. And he said, it's the slickest bloody thing he said I've ever seen. So, uh <laughs> Yeah, he was impressed, and uh, yeah, he said it was probably one of the nicest barrels he's fitted in probably about the last 10 years. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. And is there anything that you've got your eye on? It doesn't, you know, it could be nice topping gear, or it could be something more budget that you'd recommend. Is What, what sort of caught your attention at the moment? Oh, there's there's always bits and pieces. I mean, the Trigger Tech had me attention for a long time. I'm glad I've got my hands on those now. Um, no, there's not really a lot that I would like to add, except for maybe one of the Send It units um oh yeah the digital digital levels, levels. yeah yeah i've um andy's had one he's been showing me at a few of the shoots and yeah that that's probably something i'd i'd be keen to get and have a play with and um yeah see if i could make something of it because mm-hmm. i'm yeah. a shogger i couldn't hold <laughs> i can't hold a gun level to save myself i'm terrible yeah i think i think <laughs> that happens to most of us if we're honest with ourselves <laughs> I'm really bad. But anyway, that's just what it's like. So. Yeah, that's um, all right. 
need a level on that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anything else that's caught your attention? Anything maybe in the budget sort of range? The Ruger's still sort of up, right up there with what you think a, a new shooter might be interested in? Oh, look, I mean, there's so much gear coming out now. It's hard to get your mind around. Like every rifle company's got a precision rifle of some sort coming out and um, I think they've all got merit. Like we've got a guy at our club, he's actually just bought a ticket tack A1 and, I mean, his shooting has just absolutely boomed since he's had that gun. Like, he's got a Steiner on the top and, you know, he's just a completely different shooter, yeah. you know. Like, he's, he's coming to Mildura, actually, so he'll, he'll upset a few. Uh, very good. <laughs> Speaking of Mildura, mate, you're pretty excited about that. We're only, uh, when we're recording this, we're only a few weeks out. Yeah, no, mate, I'm looking forward to it big time. I mean, I'm just looking forward to catching up with the guys I met there last year, like some really good guys, and it'd be good to have a beer and catch up with a few. I mean, that's the best part of it, really, isn't it? That's why we all do this. Oh, yeah, mate. If I couldn't have fun, I wouldn't do it. That's plain and simple. Yeah, right. spot on, mate. So, But speaking of that, and we are all there for good fun, now's the time, Mick. You're going to throw a challenge down? <laughs> you got the wrong fella, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, something out of Scotty. I mean, look, if you don't do it, I'm just going to edit your words from various bits and pieces you've said, and I'm just going to I'm going to piece in something here about you uh, Wanting to smash them all or something like that. Oh, uh, Scotty. Scotty's devastated, mate. Fat Jesus beat him on the way again, so it was a long drive back to Brisbane, I think. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> it's a sad day of Fat Jesus beat you. <laughs> yeah. You should have seen his face when they called his name out. I've never seen a bloke so shocked in all my life, but anyway. Oh, good. And, and I mean, look, Fatty J is, is such a humble bloke, and he would he would have let it pass with really out of moment. He wouldn't even mention it to Scott, I imagine. Yeah, I'm sure, mate. It would not have got mentioned. I'm, I'm certain. I'm, I'm surprised anyone knows about it, to be honest. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> the good news is he's not going to Mildura, so at least Scott will be able to beat him. Yeah, mate, he's devastated. He's not going down. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, all right. Well, I'm going to have to piece something together from your words here. So uh, we'll have some some official challenge thrown down by Mick because he's too nice a bloke. Uh, no challenges. I'm coming to Mildura. You'll be bloody devastated. You've got nothing. <laughs> Actually, from from last year, you'd mentioned talking about um, having a bolt a bolt issue, and I lent you mine. And I uh, I don't. I don't know if I told you this story, but I've arrived at the pub and I was the only one who knew the results at that stage. Oh, yeah. I walked in and, and yeah, you know, we're obviously, we're getting ready for the presentation. Yeah. And you've made a beeline straight up to me and said, mate, what are you drinking? I'll, I'll buy you a beer. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the bolt. In my head, I know that you've won <laughs> and I'm going, this is going to look really good. The winner <laughs> buying the match director a drink just before presentation. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if I was a bit weird about getting a drink off you, but if if I was, that's why, because my immediate thought was, well, this is going to look great. Bit of match fixing, match fixing going on here. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, absolutely. So just make me a promise, mate. Don't have like sandpaper on on other people's bullets. This uh, <laughs> this this match, <laughs> making them spin a little bit more, getting a reverse swing on the projectiles. Uh, anyway. You know, if you, me and Travis drove all the way down to that shoot, and I reckon about every 100 kilometres, one of us would look at each other and say, God, I hope we don't come last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess all that hoping worked well. Yeah, it must have worked. Might we'll have to do it again this year. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So let's um let's try go the- theoretical for it. Mm-hmm. It's my first day of my shooting career, right? And I'm I'm out on the range with you. You're my coach. I've I've never been shooting before. Yep. What are you going to be teaching me first? Oh, okay. Um, 
Right, I say first day on the run. I'm, I'm here to ask the tough questions, mate. <laughs> well, I always say to new shooters, just don't get, don't let the moment overcome you, because that's usually what happens to new guys. They just get so wound up when they step up to the line. You know, if I'm the RO or something like that on a stage, I try to make a little joke with them and try to set their mind at ease a bit, because some guys, um, they just the moment just overcomes them, you know, and they just they, they get so worked up and uh, they get flustered and, uh, yeah, so a little joke on the line and, and just takes their mind away from it from a bit and uh, they calm down a little bit and and uh, try to get away from all the hiccups that a lot of the new shooters have. So uh, I just try to make them feel comfortable. We do that at our club with everyone that comes here, you know, just try to make them feel very comfortable before they shoot. So, um Mm. Yeah, like I just tell guys to take their time. You know, I see so many guys try to they look at the clock and say, "Oh, ninety seconds," and then they just rattle their shots off and go, "How did I do?" And you just look at them and go, "Mate, I don't even know where they land." And like you just let them. They they missed faster than anyone else. Yeah, they certainly do. They can hit plenty of dirt, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, look, um, yeah, I just try to keep guys um, calm mainly and just work on what they're doing right more than what they're doing wrong because no one wants to be told what they're doing wrong all the time. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> you just try and tr- tr- tweak the little things that they're doing right to start with and then uh, go from there. Mm. No, excellent advice. And, and you certainly do see that even in the build-up. I know guys now sort of heading towards Mildura, some of the newer guys are pretty nervous about it. Uh, so, you know, I guess that's the thing is take take your time, take it slow and enjoy yourself. That's it, mate. Yeah, yep. There's um, no better advice. The practice sessions prior to a match, be it like a you know just a half day afternoon match yep. or a full day or or a PRS style on the Friday. Yeah, you'll take me through what you actually do on that practice day. Like, what are you trying to achieve? Do you shoot lots or a little? Okay, so I'll I'll usually um I won't shoot anything prone. Mm, you know, like if you've been shooting a wall, uh, a good platform, you don't really need to practice it. I don't believe um you've got your fundamentals, so you you don't really need to go there. Um, I, I try and shoot m- most of my practice will come from barricades or or more difficult positions, you know, tank traps and that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'll dry fire for a bit to make sure I've got my head on the job. And then, um, yeah, I usually shoot one-inch dots at 100 metres on paper and see how I'm going. Okay, you're really confirming zero and making sure it's all working? Um, yeah, you know, I might run one or two shots through just to get a zero. Um, but like I said, when you got the when you got that better gear, you like you really don't have to. The gun just is always on, you know, it's on it's on point, you know. So I shoot paper more now than steel practice because I like to know where that miss is and why that miss went where it did. Yeah, it shows you a lot of mistakes, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, it tells you everything. And, um, yeah, it really does. And I, I think paper is more important than what guys give it credit for in practice. But that that's me. I, I'll shoot one-inch dots for practice. Excellent. Interesting you say, like, some dry firing prior, like, on you know, at the at particular range, you do some dry firing to make sure your sort of head's in the right spot. Yep. You know, if you've got access to some barricades, you try and sort of mimic some stuff and just play around a bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, like, um, I'm lucky I live just a bit out of town, so I've got a few bits and pieces in the paddock here, and I'll take the timer over and give her a shot and, um, you know, put 90 seconds on her and just pluck scenarios out of the air and um, run a few drills and see where I'm running on my time. Uh, the one thing I am trying to work on these days is my internal clock, uh, so I'm not rushed and I'm not running out of time. So I'll try to work on my... Um, my my splits and my shots and so i sort of know what i can and what i can't do on certain times and how long it takes me to set up a position and 
yeah, that, that's sort of where I am now, trying to work on those those finer details, I suppose. How do you go about doing that, Mick? You're running a timer sort of all the time. When I when I get the chance, I, I do. Yeah, I'll run the timer and um, I'll really just set up like stages that we've actually shot at matches, so that I'm not um, not making up fairy tale stages that anyone could do. I'll <laughs> you know, nothing better than sitting at home pretending that you're a legend. Oh, geez, I shot that really quick, and yeah, no. So um, you just you just crushed all my dreams, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Give myself six minutes to shoot that. Yeah, beautiful, <laughs> done it. <That'll> <laughs> Hundred meter pro in three shots. We should be good. <laughs> yeah, so um, I try to keep it real as you can. Yeah. So. Had a chat with Paul Reed the other day, uh, which guys yep. probably would have heard by now, and and he was saying that he will basically come home from a match and build the things that he shot that he struggled with. He'll try and replicate yeah. them. Yep, that's pretty much yeah. To come home from Mildura, there's a few stages there that really um, I battled with a few of them, and um, yeah, tried to try to um, run through them again and figure out where I went wrong in my position and what I should have done differently. And yeah, it definitely helped. Mm, what sort of stages take pique your interest? What do you enjoy shooting? I love barricades and that might have, I just love if, if I can ring steel at 700 off a barricade, I love that sort of stuff. Like that, that, that's what I like. Is that that sort of shoot and move and shoot and move in, in weird positions? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I really, that, that's my, that's my like. Uh, the only other mm. thing I do enjoy is like your fastest shots, you know, like, um, anything that's like super quick. Like we had one at the, the club the other day. It was unlimited 90 seconds um, and we had a swinger in front of a, a target. There was a target behind the swinger. So you had to swing the swinger to shoot the target behind it. And uh, mm-hmm. those, those sort of stages that are unlimited, I love them. You know, look, they, that's just, I love it. It's bread and butter. I love it. Yeah. You know who else Who else loves those stages? Mm-hmm. Ammunition makers. <laughs> Is that me? I'm an ammunition maker, aren't I? <laughs> they, they really enjoy people pumping through that much ammo. <laughs> uh, no, you, you're right. Oh, those those are, are wonderful stages, and it does seem that everyone's got got a little bit of a different sort of personal preference. They they like this or they like that as they're better. They'll take anything, but they're sort of really yeah, they love that particular one. Yeah. And so you got a few barricades around home that you you drive fire from? Yeah, mate. I've got one that the boys at the club absolutely. They hate it. They absolutely loathe it. Uh, I call it the fumble gym. <laughs> My wife's the uh, groundskeeper at the local state school, and they uh, pulled a heap of old swing sets and that down at the school, and they were going to dump them. And uh, she said, geez, this will make a good barricade. So she brought it home, and I put it all together, and it's like chain ladders and all that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, look, it's 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 horrific to shoot off. It's terrible, you know, like, yeah, but um, makes you think anyway. We ran one of those, like those sort of little you know, home you know, slides and, and swings and exactly what you're talking about. We ran that for a rimfire shoot and guys walked in thinking they were going to ace it because the target was 30 metres away. Yeah. And the amount of people who missed every single shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. It's really funny. They put their gun up on this, on this chain ladder and because it doesn't touch the ground, so it just keeps swinging. <laughs> and it is unbelievable how much movement is in the scope when that thing's swinging. And you see them stop and look down and try to put their foot on it. And there's so many, yeah, it's hilarious to watch. But uh, you've just got to, you've just got to squeeze the shot and hope for the best with that thing. But anyway, it's good fun. It sounds like you do as, as much practice as you can get in, which is, you know, a big, a big factor of your success. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I do. I try to. Um, time, time's a factor to, 
But, uh, yeah, I do try. I will be trying pretty hard to get a bit of practice in before we head south, so. What bags do you run? We haven't we didn't discuss that at all. Okay. What are you liking at the moment? So I'm, I'm running a lot of the Armageddon gear, like a lot of guys do. Um, but my go-to um, rear bag and barricade bag is the um, short-action precision solo sack. Okay, uh, yep. I'm a bigger sort of bloke, so the heavy sand... You know, weighted, um, yeah, it seems to work for me anyway. Like, yeah. Uh, I use Game Changer a bit, but if the barricades have got, you know, a few inches on them, you know, if they're not a real narrow barricade, I'll go with the solo sack most of the time. Yeah, very good. You like you like that Game Changer? Yeah, I do, mate, I do. But I do find the solo gets me a lot steadier at distance. Like if I'm shooting barricades at, mm. you know, 500 or whatever and the targets aren't, aren't that big, I do find it does hold that crosshair a, a, a tad steadier than the um, than the game changer, but that's just the way I shoot. You know, that's not going to be for everyone, but yeah, that's just the way I do. It. And I guess you, you, what you're saying is that the bag can vary uh, based on the shooter. Really, they're yeah. going to find what's comfortable yeah, for them. For sure, for sure. There's no doubt. Imagine you see a fair mix of of bags at the comps you run up there. Yeah, mate, you do. I mean, um, I've been trying to pinch one off Travis for a while. His his missus made the bag. It's an absolute cracker, but she won't make me one. So, but I reckon that's all crap. I reckon he's telling her not to make me one. But anyway, <laughs> hope you're listening. I'm, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I think you guys are doing well. Your your missus is is building barricades for you, yeah. and Travis's is is making bags, yeah. and accessories. <laughs> Um, you you guys have got this worked out. Yeah, mate, it's it's all happening. <laughs> and what, your kids loading your ammo or something? Oh, I know. Like I wouldn't let Jack load my ammo much. He might be a bit wild. There'd be a few powders missing. I think. <laughs> oh well, maybe maybe in time. Maybe in time. <laughs> yeah, when he's about thirty. You're out outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent, mate. Well, Mick, brilliant, mate. Thank you heaps for your time for this episode. I know you've got you know, plenty of practice to do to get ready for Mildura. Yeah, well. So we don't want to take take you away from that too much. <laughs> no, no, thank you for uh, having me on. That was good. No worries, mate. And, and uh, I guess, you know, all the guys who are going to be at Mildura have, uh, you know, we're still waiting for you to throw that challenge out. <laughs> coldest beer. Who's got the coldest beer? <laughs> <laughs> I like where your priorities are, mate. It's, it's wonderful. And, and we can look, look forward to seeing you in a few yeah, weeks. Uh, it should be r- really good fun, and hopefully some of the guys listening have been able to take some of your advice and put it into action prior to the match, or probably more likely they're on their way down to the match currently listening to this going, oh, I wish I knew that before I left. But anyway, <laughs> can't give them all the advantages. You know, you've got your own game plans. Yeah, bloody yes. <laughs> Fantastic, mate. All right, well, thank you very much, and uh, good luck for the shoot. All right, mate. Thank you. I'm coming to Mildura. You'll be bloody devastated. And you've got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.